You know, in the world of sports, they've come up with these things that I don't recall they were there when I was younger, but they come up with power rankings. And they are somebody's selection. They look at different teams or even individuals. They've got some type of ways they look at them and they decide who actually has the best chance of coming out on top. Who, if you rank everything together, not just within a division, but you put them all in the mix, you say, okay, so who, like, is the number one of everything? And it goes week by week. So just randomly I decided to, why don't we just look and see what the most recently we can find power rankings in Major League Baseball. Baseball. Everybody's thinking football today, but maybe just in major, major League Baseball. And they list all these teams. I won't go through all of them, but I see at number three are the Texas Rangers, and, and they're talking about Adrian Beltre. He clubbed his 28th, 29th home runs of the season, and so you know that's why they've got them at number three. The Washington Nationals, they're at number two with a win-loss record of 85 and, and 58, so that's pretty good, and some particular individuals have done well over most recently. The great surprise to me was to find out at number one, who knew it's the Chicago Cubs at number one? Whoa! It's only been there all season, and uh, they've just had to note Anthony Rizzo and some guy that he's going to be playing against. And, oh, do you know, it said here that they were going to might actually clinch their division this Oh, they did clinch it. What do you know? Well, that's what they do. They give power rankings to tell you how everybody fits in this order. As we come to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4, as I read it, I almost feel like the writer to the book of Hebrews is laying out the power ranking and telling us who's in first place. Now, we've looked at the first couple verses here. As we have read, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. And all that we pointed out is that uh, God's always been revealing himself. But the most incredible revelation that has come came in the last days when he revealed himself in Jesus Christ. And that's how far we got. But now we see, you kind of read the, the story behind the story, and that is he seems to give us this bit of a power ranking, if you will. He says, here's why Jesus Christ is exceptional. He has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And that's the first sentence to the book of Hebrews. And there is truth packed into that. And that truth will be unfolded through the subsequent chapters to follow. So today we just want to kind of get our eye, our arms around this truth in total, and then it will be broken down for us in the weeks ahead. When you look at how they do power rankings for different teams, like if we're talking baseball, they do them for basketball, they do them for football. But with baseball, what are they going to look at? They're going to look at pitching. They're going to look at hitting. They're going to look at fielding. Three different areas that they are taking into account. 
and they'll somehow rank everybody out on that. Well, I'd like to suggest that the writer to Hebrews has laid out three areas for us whereby we look at Jesus Christ and go, whoa, he gets the ultimate power ranking. Not only is he in first place, nobody comes close as to who he is. First of all, Jesus Christ is first in scope. The second verse where we left it off last week. Whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Notice these two statements about who Jesus Christ is. The one who is God is, through whom God has been revealing in the last days. First of all, he has appointed him to be heir of all things. Now, this is a theme that is replete throughout the scriptures. It isn't just stated here in Hebrews, but it's an understanding that we have uh, throughout scripture that the Messiah, the one who is Jesus Christ, that he ultimately would reign supreme that he ultimately will be in control of all things. And so he is going to become the heir of all things. His supremacy will one day be revealed. And when it is revealed, we will learn, we just looked at it, in fact, during Sunday school with our youth, uh, when, it, when it is revealed, there are none who will resist it. God speaks of him, says, sit here until I make your enemies your footstool. Philippians describes that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is coming a day when all of those who decide that they are much smarter, much more capable, that they can go to the person of Jesus Christ, will bend a knee and realize he indeed is supreme. He is going to be Receive the heir. He's the heir of all things. And that supremacy, when it is revealed, will not be resisted. Now, notice there's a second statement. See, that looks, that looks into the future, if you will. There's a second statement that, that he follows it up with where he looks back. Where he looks back, excuse me. He looks back as to who Jesus Christ is. When he says, by or, or through whom also he made the worlds. Jesus Christ, do we think about this? Jesus Christ was involved as the creator. Colossians describes him as the one who is the creator of all things. We have this generic idea that God created things, but Scripture makes it even more clear that the second person of the Trinity was the one in that creative process. So think about that. When we, when we consider this, that's why I say that Jesus Christ is first in scope. He was there at the time of creation. He was the source of creation. He was the power behind creation. He created it, and one day, he's going to receive it all as, a, as the heir of all things. Well, what's happened in the meantime? Well, in the meantime, men have been rejecting him. John describes in his gospel, he says, he came unto his own, his own things, it means. He came to his own creation, and his own people received him not. He was rejected. He was rejected, generally by mankind. He was rejected. Here he is, the creator, who will receive the entire creation as his heirship, 
And that's everything, the entire universe as we know it, the angelic realm, all human beings, all, everything will be under his authority. He created it, he'll receive it, but in the meantime, men decide, well, we'll just reject him for now. But consider the scope. He was there at the beginning, he'll be there at the end. Do you know anyone else who fits that description? When I read that, I'm absolutely drawn to when Revelation describes him coming. In Revelation chapter 22, he says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The creator of the universe who becomes heir of all things because he has the right to all things because he created all things. The alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, and the omega, the last letter of the Greek alphabet. The beginning, the end, the first, the last. Tell me, friends, who has a scope like that of Jesus Christ that spans all of human time? I know of none else, no one else, no other person. So Jesus Christ, when we're power ranking him, he's first in scope. Next, Jesus Christ is first in essence. Picking it up back where we were, following right on into there as soon as I can get myself back there. Usually, I have it marked, and I did not mark it this time, and I apologize. Here's what we see next. Who also, um, uh, let's see, uh, there we are. Oh, who being the brightness of his glory. That's verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory. The word, it's an old time word that, that is used by the old time commentator. This is the effulgence. We don't use the word effulgence very often. But the important thing to, describe, to get from this is that it is this outflowing of God's glory that goes directly from Christ. When you look at Christ, for instance, when on the, on the uh, Mount of Transfiguration, when the veil of his flesh was torn back and Peter, James, and John saw the glory emanate from him, the thing to remember, this is not a reflected glory. It's not as if he's here and he's reflecting the glory of the Father and, and it comes on him like the sun shines on the moon and we see the moon. It's not that. This glory, this magnificence that, that we see in him, it comes from him. It is part of who he is. So this brightness of the glory of God, this effulgence, this shining. And these are the words that, that are used to describe God's glory. And I don't know how else to use them other than to use them. And then we've got to reflect on them and think on them for a while when we think about God's glory. And that very light emanates from him. But it's not a reflected light. It comes from him because it is of his essence. It's not just something that he borrowed or that he shared. And then... He, he says, he is the image of his person. The word image actually is the word from which we get character. And I'm not thinking in terms of character, in terms of like, you know, Chris Combs is obviously a young man of great character. We could already see that this morning. You know, we can trust him. We could believe him. I don't mean that kind of character. It's character that, of something that is imprinted. 
or a branding, but something that is there, it's impressed upon something so that you get what, is, what exactly has been impressed, something with a stylus. So what you see is what is here. And he is the character. He is the impression. He is this exact perfect image of, okay, he is, he bears the image, the express image of his person. That word person, again, a difficult word to translate. Literally, it means, comes from two, two original words, which, uh, hypostasis. Well, that means a lot, right? Hypo means under or with. Stasis, it comes from a word which means static. Ultimately, it means to place, to put in place, to keep in place. You guys have thermostats, and they seek to establish a stasis, something that isn't moving in terms of the temperature in, in the room. So we set a thermostat. The, it be, remains the, the thermal part, of course, is the temperature part. Stasis is, or static, it's not moving. It holds the temperature. Well, hypostasis, hypo means uh, the ideas of with or under or by. And ultimately what it means is this. It is that which is of the very essence of his being. It is that which is the very, very essence of his being that does not change. It defines who he is. And the essence of his being is the very character of the person of God, of the nature of God. It's a magnificent claim and statement about who Jesus Christ is. It is a statement of of, of the deity that resides within him. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. Now, when we think about something, say, okay, I'm upholding this hymnal right now. I uphold it. But the word has more meaning to it than just that. Because the word has with it the concept... Of movement. So you'll see where we're going. Hebrews chapter 13. This is just to understand the word. Hebrews 13. Uh, and it says this Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Not only do we lift it up, but we carry it along. There's movement, there's progression involved. And so this reveals another aspect of who this incredible one is that is being described for us. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He spoke it into existence, that we saw that earlier, that, that he is the creator of all things. But not only did he create it, he upholds it, and he's moving things along according to his, he's bearing them along according to his perfect plan, according to its perfect consummation. So the day will come when all things are restored to him as heir. That is going to happen. But that's the magnificence of the power of his word to speak it into existence, to sustain it, to move it in progression to that point where it all comes back to him and reflects upon him the greatness of his being. So Jesus Christ is first in scope from the beginning and the end. Jesus Christ is first in essence and that he is the very brightness of God, that he's very image, the very person of God. He's doing the very work of God by sustaining the universe, by carrying it along as it needs to go. Wednesday night at Bible study, I did Chuck, uh, Chuck Todd Hill made a very interesting very interesting statement because we were talking about how things that, that are miraculous in their being, we tend to forget about when they're repetitive. He said, like a sunset. We all think the sun comes up because the sun, that's what it does. The sun comes up every day. 
He said, the sun comes up every morning because Jesus Christ wills the sun to come up every morning. And he sustains it and he upholds it and it's going through its progression of its life as the sun because he wills that it is doing that. Wow. This is the one whom God, through whom God has revealed and spoken in these last days. Jesus Christ, first in essence, as to who he is. And the third thing, Jesus Christ is first in accomplishment. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He cleansed us of our sins. The word literally is the Greek word catharsis. When he had cleansed us of our, uh, cleansed us of our sins. When he had accomplished that work. In the midst of, of he came unto his own, his own things, and his own people uh, received him not. As they didn't receive him, what did they do? They nailed him to a cross. We nailed him to a cross. We said, we don't want you. But in the midst of being nailed to the cross, what is happening? He is working out. He is bearing along this magnificent plan of redemption. And in that, through that, by that, he provides the sacrifice by which he might purge us of our sins by by going and bearing his body upon the cross and our sins in that sacrifice. And when that was done, after his resurrection, his ascension, what he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, and he sat in this place of authority, this place of honor, that he will continue in that place until the the consummation of times, and then all will recognize, as we have said, that he is king of kings and lord of lords. And out of this, he's become so much better than the angels. By this inheritance, by what is going to happen, people are going to understand that he has a name much greater than the angels. Now probably, quite possibly, the writer to the book of Hebrews was addressing an issue where people were, were, were beginning to move towards this concept that, oh, angels, angels are really incredible and, and let's get involved with angels and let's talk about angels and let's think about angels and all the angels that are out there and all the things that angels will do. And he's going, hang on, people, hang on. Before you get too wrapped up in this whole thing about the angels, understand there is one who is supreme over the angels. And he is much greater than them. And when this inheritance from the one who created, the one who redeemed, the one who ultimately will receive this heir, this, this heir as heir, he will receive his reward, his inheritance, the angels will bow at his feet. Jesus Christ, first in scope, from beginning to end. First, in essence, the very nature of God dwells in him. First, in accomplishment, he alone, by himself, went to the cross and bore the penalty of our sins that we might be cleansed from them that no one else could have done on our behalf. He is the one through whom God has spoken in these last days. He is the one revealed to us. Friends, are we getting a bit of a handle on everything that is right here, even in these first few verses? See, the sports teams, those, they come out with those rankings week by week. Do you know that? Yeah, they do. 
They come out with them week by week and say, this is this week's sports ranking. This week's, here's how we're ranking the teams. Why? Because some things can change. Pitcher can, you know, wind up with a throwing out his shoulder, and now they've lost their, their ace pitcher. A wide receiver in a football team, you know, the number one wide receiver, a running back. What happened with uh, Peterson this past week, right? He's down. That changes how you view the Vikings when Peterson is down. When Bridgewater went down, it changes how you view the Vikings. It changes. That's why every week they come out with a new power ranking because it's dynamic. When it comes to Jesus Christ, it never changes, people. Do you get that? Do we understand that? It never changed changes. He will always be first in scope. He will always be first in essence. He will always be first in accomplishment. No one will ever move him into second place. And without saying it, these opening verses just call our attention to him and say, listen to him. He is God's revelation to you. Listen to him. Everything in this book will point to Christ This matters, friends. This matters because Chris was just up here. Dustin was just up here. And and Dustin attempting to encourage young people to focus on Christ and to get to know him. Chris and his wife Darcy and their family taking on this entire ministry where they want to have the camp going so that they can strengthen this connection between campers and Christ. And, And they're telling people at camp, they're saying, you need to follow Christ, you ought to follow Christ, it's good to follow Christ. What a ridiculous claim to make to tell anyone that they ought to follow this guy who walked on the earth some 2,000 years ago. It's an absolutely foolish and outrageous claim to make unless that one is who is revealed to us. First in scope, first in essence, first in accomplishment. And this is who he is. And it's ridiculous to follow him if he's not this. And it's foolish not to follow him if he is. And that's what is going to unfold before us in the book of Hebrews. Everything points to Christ. So we can acknowledge his sustaining hand. We can yield to his guiding will. We can praise his incredible being. We can hope in his providential purposes. And we can rejoice in his completed work. Because he will always maintain the ultimate power ranking. Father, thank you for the magnificence of your son for what you are revealing through him. When he walked on the earth 2,000 years ago, and we have record of that, and we can continue to reflect and, and, and grow and learn about that. And Father, as, we, as, as Dustin gave testimony today about how it isn't, just, it isn't just simply this matter of this knowledge that we gain, but that he is dynamically involved in our lives if we will give him that place if we will listen to him and receive the revelation about him, Father. So we exalt him this morning and we yield our hearts and our minds and our wills to the understanding that without him we are hopelessly lost. And we pray that you will impress upon each of us according to our need, Father, the reality of who Jesus Christ is and what it is that work he 
wonderful and gracious that he wants to do in our lives even today, Lord. So if somebody has never met him, we pray that they might, that might come to that place and they say, Lord, I get it. I see who you are. I need you today will be that day when they open up that relationship and say, I, I need you. I need you to come into my life and do a, an eternal work. Or some, Father, who have, we have been at that place, but life has been trying. Life is hard. Life is difficult. And we're wondering if Christ is even engaged with us. And some of us are hanging on to this faith thing, Lord, only by our fingernails. At times it feels like we're ready to just give it all up. Father, I pray that you move us deeper, enable us to strengthen our grips in him. And then, Father, there are those of us who we're, we're trying, Lord. We're, we're trying to know you. We're trying. We're, we're walking in this thing. I pray you just encourage us to continue and to go deeper because there are places, each one of us, Lord, we need to re- yield to you. So according to our needs, Father, I pray you reveal Jesus Christ to us. May we hear his, his voice speaking to us, for we ask it in his precious name. Amen.